I believe with all my heart that we are where we are on purpose. That's kind of my thought that I've been just pondering today. Like, you are where you are for a reason. You have a place, you have a people, you have a neighborhood, you have a family, you have a job. You are there for a reason. Sometimes we lose that reason, or maybe we never have known that reason. We don't feel that sense of purpose, and so we end up, if, if we're not careful, just kind of getting our way through these, these places and the, around these people, and we're just kind of not focused on who they are and where they're at and what's happening in their lives, and we're only focused on what's going on in our life and in our world. You get to work because it's work, and then you get out of there as quick as you can because it's work, right? And, and, and you want to just get on with your life. And if we're not careful, there, there's a whole bunch of missed opportunity for us to, to realize, man, God has a purpose for each of our lives. And the place that he's put us, there is a purpose behind that place. There is a people there that are our responsibility. As Jesus' church, we're different people. We don't just live for ourselves. We actually live for the purpose of God. That he has a calling on our lives. He is putting his spirit inside of us, empowering us for the purpose that he has us there for. You're at a, you're at a school. You're on a team. You're at a place. In that place, you are there for a reason. And so when we look at James chapter 3 today, I think there's an opportunity for us to go, hey, are we, are we understanding that and are we applying ourselves to that purpose or are we just kind of going through some sort of motion in this spot? I, when I was younger, I worked at Nordstrom. I sold shoes. Grew up in Seattle. And, uh, man, downtown Seattle, Bellevue Square, I worked at both those stores and got to sell kids' shoes. Now, when I was 17, 18, 19, when I worked there, um, you know, I was young. I was immature. I still am immature in many ways, but I'm, I'm growing by the grace of God. But my character was, was uh, I would say, on the struggle bus at that point. My character was not developed at that point. And so when I go to work, it was, it was pretty cool because it was a sales job. And selling kids' shoes, you're actually selling the moms. You're helping the moms to see the need that their kids have for new shoes. Obviously, they find some, and then you help them find some more expensive ones. Because that helps you make a little more money, or me in that case. And, and, and then usually I was able to talk them into maybe one or two pairs because the kids outgrow their shoes every three months on average. Just fun fact for moms and in the room. And, and so I was constantly kind of working it, is what I was doing. I, I, was, I was hustling. I was, I was there for a purpose. And that purpose was make some money. And this purpose drove me, and pretty soon I started finding success. In fact, I started to lead the department in sales um, and, and, and started to get some recognition, the GM. I got letters of recommendation from the CEO. I was like, wow, this is pretty awesome. I'm winning. Life is going good. I was making way too much money for a teenager that was 17, I will tell you that for sure. And, 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 and as this was all happening, um, you, you wouldn't have known it right out, but there was, there was what I was doing, but how I was doing it was corrupt. 
I started cutting corners. I started getting to the front of the line. I started um, making a way to to stay at the top, to keep getting recognition. I kind of got addicted to the win and lost track of how I got to the win. And my character, my lack of character was revealed the day when I showed up and security met me at the door, handing me a notice that you are fired. It was a it was a it was a reeling moment for a young teenager to go, wow, how well, how did I get here? What happened? I, I've been on top. I had all this recognition. I had all this opportunity, and now it's gone. Like they, Nobody ever called me. Nobody ever talked to me. It's not like all my friends were there because I was there for me. I was there to make money. I was there just to do my thing and, and get on with my life. James chapter 3, he, he brings to surface this conversation about wisdom. Wisdom is an understanding that there's things, there is a a purpose and a command of God that you and I are to obey. We talk about all the time. I'm not just talking about tithing, talk about taking our next steps, talk about being in a relationship. We're obeying God's things, God's commands. Wisdom is all about obeying them in God's way. So there's the what, but there's also the way to get to the thing that God has called us to. Wisdom is the understanding that not just the what matters, the God's commands matters, but walking those commands out God's way also matters. James 3, he begins to reveal the tension of people that have godly wisdom and people that have worldly wisdom. You can get what you want, but not get there in God's way. You could get there with, I would say, a very impure motive. You could get there with a very selfish understanding. You could get to the end that maybe you are desiring, but, but all the while there's this understanding that the way you are going about it is not God's way. So there's the what and there's the how. Wisdom is the how. Are we living in that place with not just the purpose of God, but walking in the way of God as we are there. Those people, do we understand that we, God has put us there for a reason, and, and we are to actually be a, I would call it a leader in that place. You may go, well, I'm not the leader. I, I don't have a title. I don't have a position. That's not what I'm talking about. Leadership is influence. At the very core of it, it is you understanding that you have an opportunity to build relationship and help people experience who God is and how much he loves them and, and, and what he's called them to, that, that you actually have an opportunity to get beyond yourself and your agenda and your whatever, make money or whatever your plan is or your ambition is and actually decide that those people matter to God. And that he wants them to know him, and he wants to use you to help them experience him. That, that, that you are to be an influence in that place. And if you're not paying attention to God's ways, people might not want nothing to do with us. They might not trust us. They might not like us. Oh, you got truth to tell, but man, the way you tell it, everybody's like, no, thank you. The tension comes when we understand that there's worldly wisdom. It'd be more like manipulation. You're using people to get what you want. And there's godly wisdom. That's understanding that there's a pure way to walk out the purposes of God. That's the comparison James 
calls us to in this passage. So look at James chapter 3 with me, verse 13. He asks a question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Who is it? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Remember, this, this is that like bloody lip kind of place right here, right? I love how he puts it in quotation. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Just think about this. If you sow envy, if you sow selfish ambition, you will reap disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, here's the comparison, is first of all pure. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit. It's impartial. It's sincere. Verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. There's a lot on the line that I think gets lost in our daily grind. God has a mission to help everybody on this planet know his love for them. It's not a mission of coercion or manipulation. It's a mission of love. And that mission, he, he, he started it with a demonstration of love by sending his own son to give his life, his perfection, and take all of our imperfection. He who knew no sin actually became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus actually took our sin on himself, went to the cross, paid the penalty of sin. The wages of our sin is death. Went into the grave, was there for three days, dead. But by the power of the Spirit of God, resurrected from the dead, defeating death and defeating the power of of the sinful nature inside of every single one of us who would put our faith in Jesus Christ. See, God has been on this rescue mission ever since Adam and Eve fell away from God's intended purpose for them. And God has always been employing people like you and I who recognize that God has saved us by his grace, that he has rescued us out of hell, and that he wants to set our feet upon a firm foundation and give us a purpose to live that is greater than our own selfish ambition. This is what's at stake. When you and I recognize that we are in a place on purpose and that the purpose of God is to get his love through us, his grace through us, his mercy through us, the kingdom of God is to expand through the people of God. And that every human that you and I interact with is an opportunity for the grace of God to flow, the love of God to be known. And man, we miss it when we are just about our own thing. When we don't recognize that this is a place that God's given me for a reason. This is a school, a team. This is a, this is a workplace. This is a family, a neighborhood. God puts you there for a reason. 
those people matter to him. And so if we're really bad at wisdom, we're bad at influence, we're bad at giving the love and the mercy and the message of good news of Jesus Christ, people don't want to listen because we're not fun, good, nice. We don't have this fruitfulness in our lives for, for people to want anything to do with what we have in our lives. The what might be great. You're walking out the commands of God, but the how is not going good. This is the comparison that James brings us to, and this is, what, this is what's at stake. This is why I get fired up. I'm passionate. <laughs> because the Spirit of God is being put into the heart of every single one of you who has put your faith in Jesus Christ. God doesn't have this mission and just say, good luck out there. I hope it goes good. No, no, no. He wants to send you with his power. And many of us live so powerless, like no faith to believe that God could do something supernatural in us and through us. And, and, and this conversation brings this to surface to go, oh, if my motives, if my ambition is just the same as everyone else's, I'm going to walk it out exactly how the world walks it out. I'm going to be driven by bitter envy and and selfish ambition, and these things are going to drive me and, and, and produce a really bad fruit all around me. My influence is going to shrink. People don't want to listen. There is not going to be the opportunity to give the love and the grace and the good news of Jesus Christ to those around us. There's a lot at stake. So God, would you give us your wisdom? James chapter 1 is so good. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God because he gives it freely liberally to all without finding fault. Thank you, Jesus. So we come into this conversation with an understanding, I hope that you know this, that you and I can grow in wisdom. We can grow in godly wisdom. We don't got to stay where we are. We can be empowered by the Spirit of God, be changed by God. We can purify who we are and what's driving us. We can become a different people. That's why we're here today, right? So how do you have true wisdom? Number one, if you're taking notes, is this is purify your ambition. Why you do what you do. Why you were there, what you're all about, how you get there from here, purify it. This is the deep work of, of understanding your motive. Why you're in it. What you're trying to accomplish. Who you're all about. Our motives matter. Like... like my Nordstrom moments, my lack of character was exposed. An impure motive will be exposed. Jesus said that everything that's in the dark will be brought into the light. That whatever's hidden is actually going to be made revealed. Whatever we've kind of been like, you know, trying to cover up is going to be brought into the light. This revelation could be an awesome thing or it could be a terrifying thing. And so it's important that you and I do the work of purifying our ambition. What is driving you? James is saying if, if there's bitter envy driving you, if there's selfish ambition driving you, you're, you're going to get something that's earthly, it is unspiritual, and it is demonic, he says. You're, you're going to get discord and every evil practice. You're going to perpetuate the brokenness that you're so annoyed by. 
You actually are, 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 are helping all of that brokenness continue if your ambition is not purified. And so you and I, it's just this constant daily, I would say daily prayer and, and, and understanding, God, you've got to move my motives from selfish to godly. Here's the problem. You have a sinful nature inside you. We are born with it, and it owns us and controls us. The moment that we put our faith in Jesus Christ, though, his resurrection from the dead now begins to apply power. He conquered death, and he broke the bonds of the sinful nature. You and I no longer have to be slaves to sin. We are now free to become who God made us to be. That, that freedom is possible for us, that we no longer have to just give in to our sinful nature, that we can actually choose the Spirit's leadership in our lives. It takes some work, though, because you are used to living for yourself. You and I are driven by our sinful nature, and so it takes a lot of reprogramming to begin to learn by this, to live by the Spirit and not by ourselves, by, by our nature that's already inside of us. So understanding this goes, God, okay, so daily, moment by moment, I'm going to have to purify these motives. I'm going to have to purify this ambition. Would you make my motive love, God? What's driven God from the beginning of time? Love. What's put him on this rescue mission in the first place? Love. Why did he put you where he put you? Love. Love for you, love for every person that you, every person that you're around, God loves. He has purpose for them, plans for them. He sees so much potential in them. God, would you make my, my motive love? Not self, but sacrifice. Not self, but servanthood. Make my motive love, God. Make my motive like your motive, God. That's what we're praying. Purify this ambition inside me. It's so easy to be very American in our ambition. There's nothing wrong. I love our country. I love our, our, our capitalism. I love all of this stuff. But if we're not careful, we are driven by the exact same thing as everyone else. And we are called to be different. We are, we are totally different than the rest of the world because we have been rescued from this sinful nature driving us inside of us. Something Jesus has reawakened in me, just in the sabbatical that I just finished up, was this understanding that about five, six years ago, we had, you know, he called us to come plant this church. We did that 12 years ago. It was an amazing journey. About year three, we're like, okay, I think we're a church now. Like, when do you not be a church plant and now you're a church? I think it's now, maybe. And it was about year four, four and a half that Jesus really spoke clearly to me because I was praying. I'm like, okay, Lord, you told me to come, move to Spokane and plant this church. We did that. Now what? What's my next step of obedience? Am I just to keep pastor in this church? What does that all look like? And I remember Jesus so clearly spoke to me. I want you to spend the rest of your life raising up the next generation of Jesus' church. Leaders, pastors, people that they would be empowered and become who God made them to be. And, you know, I started doing that, and, and, and we had an amazing team here that we've raised up. We've sent around the world. We've planted churches together. We've done all these things, but some of that didn't go exactly according to plan. It was painful, to say the least. And the more pain associated with doing what God told me to do, the easier it is for me to go, well, maybe that's not what God wants me to do. I don't know if you do this. Well, if it's God's will, it'll be awesome. <laughs> I remember a mentor of me saying, hey, who, who, who do you think you are? Like, what do you mean? You think you're entitled to a pain-free leadership journey? Well, kind of. I kind of wish I, I wish I could, yeah. 
No. And he reawakened this inside me as we were on this sabbatical, just going, remember what I've called you to. Because there was people, Richie, in your story, when you were 17, when you were 18, when you were getting fired at Nordstrom, there was leaders in your life that loved you unconditionally. There's people that walked with you. There was people that allowed you to make mistakes. There was people that told you what to read and how to gain wisdom and understanding and to grow as a leader and influence and how to, how to not be such a jerk all the time. There was all these people around you that had stopped being so consumed with their own lives and decided to care about a 19-year-old, arrogant, know-it-all and give them a chance. And I think about how important this purity of our ambition is. It, it draws us back into a place of love, sacrifice, servanthood that we easily lose track of. Your why, why you do what you do matters massively. And you recognizing that the place that you are, God has you there for a reason. Starts to wake us up to like, oh, what is that reason? Who are these people? What do they need? How can I help? My, God, would you break my heart and help me to see them the way you see them and, and, and what potential you see in them? Would you help me to see the potential that you see? Man, this, this purity of ambition is essential for us to have godly wisdom because without it, we'll be driven by the same thing. Evil desire, selfish ambition, vain conceit, these things will own our hearts and our motivations, and we will get fruit that is just like the rest of the world. First is purify your ambition. Second is this, seek wisdom. If you're going to have godly wisdom, you got to seek it. It's, it. it's not like, I don't know if you used to pray like God would just like osmosis, you know, like could, could I just get wisdom just by sleeping on Scripture or something? Like It doesn't happen like that. He says he'll give it liberally, generously to all without finding fault, but you and I have a responsibility to go get it. If you seek me, he says, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Some of us have gotten complacent, lazy even, undisciplined. We don't try to grow in wisdom. We just expect God to just lightning bolt us, like upload, right? Like, whoo, I got all this wisdom now. Where are you going to get it? I love Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 13 said, blessed are those who find wisdom. That implies that you are looking for it. I love the picture of seek and find, of like uh, uh, hide and seek. That's the game, right? People hide, and you got to go find them. You don't just wait there for them to get tired of you not looking. It's no fun. You're not fun then, right? You're a bad, you're a bad seeker, right? But, but you actually have to do something. You have to go, look, uncover. Those who find wisdom are blessed. Those who gain understanding, for she, speaking of wisdom, she is more profitable than silver. Speaking to the motives and the ambition right here. Why, why do you do what you do for the silver? Maybe it's the gold. It yields, wisdom yields better return than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Nothing. Just hear Solomon's wisdom here. Nothing. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, 
In her left hand are riches and honor. I love this. Sometimes our ambition has gotten so twisted that we think if we're going to get long life, we're going to get riches and honor. we got to go get it ourselves. And Solomon's going like, you're going about it all wrong. If you would seek God, if you would seek wisdom, man, she's holding long life in her, in her hand. She's holding riches and honor in her hand. You're getting there in the world's way. Would you go God's way and let him take care of all that other stuff that you're so stressed about? You don't need to make that your ambition. Allow God to take care of this. Her ways are pleasant ways. The ways of wisdom are pleasant ways. All her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Look at this imagery. It's just like, it's so important for you to grab a hold of that tree of life. It's only a tree of life if you take hold of it. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Seek wisdom. Go get it. Stir your heart to a place of passion to get the wisdom that you are lacking. Do not sit on your hands and wait for wisdom to run you over. It will not happen. For you and I to understand, oh, I got to go get it. To look, to find it is so essential. There's books, there's podcasts, there's way too much YouTube in some of our lives. There is all these opportunities to go get wisdom. There's people, but ultimately right here, this is God's word. We believe that the Bible is God's word to us, authoritative for all of life, all of godliness. Every question we have, we believe God gives us instruction right here. And honestly, some of us, this is where we've slacked off the most. We spent too much time on YouTube and not enough time in God's word. And so as we're watching, we're not able to actually understand, is this God's wisdom or the world's wisdom? We're actually powerless if we don't have the foundation of Scripture in our hearts and in our minds. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. It takes a discipline every morning, a routine of just a little bit at a time, beginning to understand who God's called us to be and what it takes to live His way. That's why our team put together this devotional. It's just a simple daily way for you to spend this summer not relapsing back to your old self-centered life, but to actually take steps forward this summer. Isn't that a temptation? Oh, I'm on a break. I'm on a break from godliness. <laughs> I'm on a break from everything. And we end up backpedaling so far in, in, in our growth and our progression of becoming who God made us to be. Do not lose ground. In fact, take ground this summer. Take steps forward. Grow in godliness. Get a routine. Get the foundation set in your heart of what it means to be God's man, God's woman. It comes from his word. Seek it. When you're seeking, you're listening, you're reading books. I'm, I'm reading all kinds of, I think I read like 10 books while I was on sabbatical. Um, lots of different ones, some, some from like Christian leaders, some from business leaders, all kinds of things. When you're, when you're seeking, you're also filtering. You're finding, but you're filtering. Both are essential. Because God's word is the source of truth. All truth is God's truth, whether it comes from a business book, it comes out of the mouth of a donkey in the Old Testament. All truth is God's truth. And so you need to have the capacity to be able to eat the meat, spit out the bones. This is maturity. This is wisdom. This is what the Bible calls discernment. Many of us are just eating the whole thing, like thinking it's good for us. And there might be poison in there. And you have no idea because you have no discernment. 
So as we are seeking, we are also filtering, going, oh, is this based off God's truth? Is this an understanding from God's word? You're not, you're not like, oh, the, the, I don't agree with that one thing, and so those people are, are all wrong, and they're all bad, and you cancel them, and you just get rid of all those. No, 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 no. We have the ability to filter and go, oh, that's really helpful. I'm going to grow from that. The rest of that, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I'm not doing none of that. But I'm doing this because this is God's truth, and I'm going to grow in this grace. God wants to speak to me through this thing. Great, I'm going to go. You're filtering. You're finding and you're filtering. You're understanding that, okay, there's going to be some people that there's a little bit there that I can grab a hold of and grow from, and some of it I'm just going to leave it right where it is. The other temptation of this is some of us struggle with this, is like if one person has some really good stuff to say, now instantly they are your guy. And everybody you know has gotten a text from you sharing this guy's content with everybody, right? And pretty soon you're worshiping a, a guy that has some good stuff to say, but, 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 but you've kind of just decided that this is your guy. And if you're not careful, there, there's a, an understanding that maybe you stop discerning, hey, is this for me? Is this important? Is this helpful? Is this beneficial? Even me, I'm up here sharing all this stuff to take it and go, hey, is this based on God's word? Is this, is this what God wants me to learn and grow from? To filter, to go, ah, have some discernment. What's my part? What's God saying to me? To not, not, not cancel people, throw the baby out with the bathwater, not just like, oh, I'm married to this, this line of teaching, or these are my people, right? This is my thing. These are, this is my party, my, my stuff. No, to understand, it's going to take some work for me to discern. Understand what parts I need to grow in, what parts I need to leave behind. But knowing that God's word is our filter that everything goes through. Purify your ambition. Seek wisdom. Number three is this, grow in good deeds. If you are going to have godly wisdom, you gotta understand that there are good deeds that need to be coming out of your life. James talks about it on the front and the back end of this passage. Verse 13, if you're wise and understanding, show it by your good life. Show it. Don't just talk about it. Show it. Grow in the grace of good deeds. This life actually being changed to where, I love what he says, there are deeds being done in your life in the humility that comes from wisdom. Humility that comes from wisdom is this sense of like, wow, I've got so much room to grow. So much that God is teaching me. There's so much more that, that I know. Like, oh, my influence, it's suffering. People don't like to be around me. So God, would you, would you change that about me? Would you, would you help me to grow in these good deeds? I love what he says in verse 17. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Purify that ambition. Then peace loving. Think about this. What's peace loving? It's, it's about people. Being considerate towards people. Submissive to people, to God. That you're full of mercy towards people, good fruit, like we're talking about, impartial, sincere. I don't know if you're like me, but I get on a mission. I'm going to sell shoes. <laughs> I don't care what way I need to get there. I'm just going to get there. The more task-focused I become, the easier it is for me to slip into selfish ambition, to 
eat envy, these things that produce horrible fruit in my life. As I struggle with task-drivenness, it's really easy for me to miss the place that God has put me. But if I can keep my heart soft and keep my heart focused on people, then God can grow the grace of wisdom in my life. I would challenge you with this. To grow in good deeds, think in terms of people, not things. Think in terms of loving people more, serving people more. Not things and accomplishing tasks. But when he's talking about godly wisdom, it's about peace. It's about being considerate. It's about growing your influence, that people want to be around you and enjoy being influenced by you, that they want to know what you have to say. They care about who you are and what's going on inside you because there's this understanding of like, wow, they value people. These are the kinds of deeds that that James is calling us to in this passage that I believe will massively change the place that you are and the people that you are around. If you can keep your heart focused on people, You still need to do a good job, get your job done, live with excellence in everything that you do, absolutely. But ultimately, those people are what matter to God. The love of God, He's wanting to get it through you to every single one of those people. So keep focused on people. Grow in these good deeds. I love how this passage ends. Verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Peacemakers who understand my responsibility is to bring peace where I go, to sow peace. It's like like what I'm putting into this relationship, what I'm putting into this workplace, what I'm putting into this marriage, what I'm putting into my kids, what I'm putting into this school, what I'm putting into my friends is peace. Those who sow in peace will actually reap a harvest of righteousness. This is what changes a city. This is what changes your neighborhood. This is what changes is understanding that we are given a a responsibility to go with these, these seeds of peace and sow them in every relationship that God has given us. Those are the people that are wise. Those are the people that have understanding. Those are the people that have favor and opportunity. Those are the people that walk in the grace of God. Those that are sowing in peace. Raise a harvest of righteousness. That's who we are to be real life. The place you are matters. The people there matter. So our prayer is this today, God. Would you make us wise and understanding? Would you make us a people who sow peace in every relationship? In fact, would you stand to your feet? I want to pray this over you right now. God, every single one of us are desperate for your wisdom to purify these motives, this ambition inside of us, God, so that we have your heart. That we wouldn't be carried along by the world's heart and the world's ambition, but by yours, this ambition for love. Just ask him to purify your heart, God, we need a miracle in these hearts. By your grace, God, every place that we occupy, every place that we are, God, with the people there, where they know your love because of us, where they know your peace 
where they know your mercy, where they know who you are, Jesus, because of us. Forgive us, God, for being complacent. Forgive us for having other agendas and ambitions. Forgive us for being carried along by ourselves. God, we turn to you, repentant, humble, desperate, in need of a miracle, God. Well, we just worship you, God. Thank you for your love. Thank you, God, that you would die, that you would take our place, that you would love this entire world, God. Give us your heart, Jesus.